0: Again, good to see each one this morning. You have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jeremiah. Of course, our base text is found in Jeremiah chapter 5, but we'll also be looking at Jeremiah chapter 2 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of Jeremiah. Let's start in Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter 5, beginning with verse 29 through 31, which is our base text for this series that we've entitled, In the End, What Then? I get that title from, you know, what Jeremiah or what God actually has to say through Jeremiah in this passage of Scripture. We all are going to come to an end of our life. We all will stand before God someday. The question is, what will you do when the end comes? Jeremiah chapter 5, beginning with verse 29, the prophet Jeremiah writes these words as God is speaking to him. Shall I not visit these things, God asked? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Now don't miss this. God is talking about his people. God is talking about his nation, Israel. You know, some people think God has wrapped himself in an American flag and there's no way that God would bring judgment upon the United States of America because we are, quote, a godly nation. Folks, let me suggest to you, we are far from being a godly nation. And if God would send his judgment upon his people Israel, let me tell you, he's not going to hesitate to send his uh, judgment upon this great nation that we live in if this nation does not turn back to the living god he says a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in this land now here's what he says the prophets prophesy falsely let me suggest to you right now at this hour at 11 o'clock on sunday morning you know there is some false teaching going on behind some pulpits in the united states of america the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. In other words, you know, the prophets are prophesying pro- uh, falsely. The priests are falling right in line with their falsehood. And here's the sad thing. And my people love to have it so. Did God say there the heathen love to have it so? Who did he say loves to have it so? My People love to have it so. Now here's the question. And what will you do when the end comes? Now the standard, uh, the English standard version, the ESV, you know, translates that verse this away. An appalling and horrible thing has happened. Now don't miss this. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. Folks, there's a horrible and and, and uh, appalling thing happening in our nation today. There is more evil in this nation today than, than has ever been in my lifetime. Of course, I'm not that old, you know. At 35, you know, I hadn't seen much. I understand that. Now, some of you don't believe that, do you? No, actually, I'll be 70 in October, you know. I, I Let me just pause. I know, ooh. How many of you remember looking at 70-year-olds and saying, Man, that's old. Let me see your hand. Come on, be honest. How many of you are there now? You're old. (laughs) I I remember looking at 50-year-olds and saying, My gosh, I hope I never get that old. It comes. (laughs) And it comes quickly, okay? Okay. All right, where was I at? Now, see, y'all done got me off, off, off kilter here. Okay, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule at their own discretion. In other words, the priests, the pastors, the preachers just, you know, do whatever they want. They preach whatever they want. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? That's the question we have to concern ourselves with. If we buy into the falsehood that is being proclaimed behind many pulpits in America today, and we'd love to have it that way because we're not under conviction as a result of their false preaching because I'm not doing anything the priest say is wrong. I'm not doing anything the pastor says is wrong. I'm not doing anything the evangelists don't say wrong. So everything I must be doing is, must be okay, and I love to have it that way. God help us. Now, what was this appalling and horrible thing that Jeremiah said would happen in the land? Again, false teaching. You just bear it down to that. And again, the sad part is my people love to have it so. And why does God's people love to have it so when, you know, False teaching is being brought from behind the pulpit. Why does God's people love it that way? Because without the truth being taught, folks, without the prophets proclaiming, thus saith the Lord, without the priest, you know, confirming the words of the prophet, you know, the people can remain sinning. They can remain in their sin without fear of judgment because the spiritual leaders are refusing to call sin, sin. Look, they refused to teach the true commands of God and refuse to proclaim the judgment of God. And that would come upon these people or it would cause disobedience to come upon the people of the true living God. Just like today, the people of God did not want their spiritual leaders telling them that what they was doing was sin against the living God and that judgment would come as a result of their disobedience because they had become comfortable in their sin and they did not want to turn from their sin. So they loved false teaching because it allowed them to stay in that sin. There's a lot of people in a lot of churches this morning that are only there because the truth is not being spoken and that allows them to remain in the sin that they're in. God help. Now, as we stated last week, the problem that develops when the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests fall in line with it, you know, with that falsehood is not only that the people of God like it that way, but when that happens, folks, people fail to connect consequences with conduct, and when we fail to uh, uh, connect consequences with conduct, folks, then there is no longer any fear of God, there is no longer any awe of God. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the churches of the United States of America, and the people of God love to have it so because they're comfortable in their sin, but what will you do? when the end comes if that question is not addressed quickly folks we're going to see the judgment of god come upon this nation as never before in a swift and a destructive way let's get started in this lesson this morning there were two appalling things that had happened to the people of Judah. Go ahead and turn to uh, chapter 2 here in Jeremiah, verse 12 and 13. And what we see is there was two appalling things that had happened. In verse 30, you know, we were told there in chapter 5 that an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. It's not enough to just say you know, that the appalling and horrible thing was the fact that the prophets were no longer proclaiming the truth, the priests were no longer uh, proclaiming the truth, and that the people of God loved it that way. I believe there's more to it than that. And in fact, here in Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah has already proclaimed what that problem was. The prophets, the priests, and the people had completely abandoned the Word of God. And listen to me, when you you abandon the Word of God, that leads to abandoning the God of God of the world of the word i'm sorry that's what it leads to and that is what had happened to the people of judah they had abandoned the word of god no longer was the true word of god being proclaimed by the prophets or the priest and what that caused was for the people of judah to abandon the god of the word god help us god help us that we do not do that. Be astonished, O oh heaven, he said. You know, be astonished at this. And, and, and be afraid, horribly afraid. And be you desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. He's going to name these two evils. First of all, they have forsaken me. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And the second thing they done, they ewed them, them out cisterns, broken cisterns, That can hold no water. Those are the two things they did. They abandoned God. They forsook God. And they ewed out cisterns. In other words, they took on false gods. Let's break this down. Notice how the prophet begins verse 12. Be astonished. Be dumbfounded. Be flabbergasted. Be speechless. You know, stand in shock. Heavens at what you see. Throw up your hands in disbelief. And say, I can't believe this. Basically, that's what he's saying there. The Lord was shocked that the people had abandoned Him so. Folks, let me suggest to you, it still shocks God when His people abandon Him for other gods. After all He has done for us, and then we abandon Him for other gods. Let me tell you, it shocks God. And what God does is, says is, this is astonishing. After all I have done for you, you know, you abandoned me for a false God. And that's what he was saying to the people of Judah here. You know, look, they had forsaken God... The fountain of living waters. We see there in verse 13a. And such departures from Jehovah, folks, was unheard of. It was shocking, and it was foolish to the Lord. The prophet is complicating it all as he goes over this. He calls on the heavens and says, Be astonished, and how sad. Now, here's the sad thing. How sad that idolatrous nations remain true to their gods, even though their gods are false, But those of us who worship the true God are not faithful and true to our God. How shocking that is, is what he's saying here, you know, that those who worship false gods are more committed to their false God than the people of Jehovah is committed to him. And he is the true living God. God was astonished. God was dumbfounded over this. And God was shocked that his people would do such a thing. Second thing we see here is they put their faith in cisterns that wouldn't hold water. Let, let, let's break this down. How sad that these people had abandoned the waters of the bright and pure running fountain of living water of God for the muddy mixture of, of, of a mercury, uh, a mucky cistern. That's what he's saying here. You would think that, that these people, you know, that these people, you know, would know that this was repulsive to do such a thing now not that any of you in here are old okay but many of you probably remember having a cistern when you was growing up how many of you had a cistern when you was growing up okay and jimmy you ain't even that old and you remember that don't you you know this huh y'all was poor <laughs> okay you're not old y'all were just poor Okay, let, let, let's go back in time for those who remember the cisterns that we had in our yard. You know, some of you remember probably having to be the one to clean out that cistern periodically. How many of you had to go down in that cistern and clean it out? None of you? Okay, yeah, there's some, Jimmy. Yeah, you too, okay. You know, what was at the bottom of that cistern? Just the old, mucky, nasty stuff. And you had to get that stuff out. And if you'll remember, you know, you, you got that muck off the bottom. And the idea that uh, Jeremiah is proclaiming here in this verse is with that the people of God ch- exchange that, you know, the, 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 the flowing uh, waters of God for this mucky, mucky God that come off the bottom of the cistern. Yucky, mucky God rather than the pure living waters that god provided for them and all the foolishness of such exchange of the fountains of living water for the foul cisterns you know you know it, it, that were flawed and fractured that could hold no water it just blew the mind of god if you please so there's a double sense of being appalled and being dumbfounded of being shocked or speechless first of all You know, that the falsehood is preached in love to the point that my people, God is saying, would forsake me and abandon me, the fountain of living water, for the muck that comes off the bottom of a cistern. And second of all, he's saying here that the muck of the dirty cistern is more desirable than the clean, running, living water that God provides. Now, what am I trying to, the point I'm trying to make here is, folks, the the, the mucky... Mud from the cistern is the sin of this world today. And a lot of people are choosing that sin of this world today over the clear water that God can provide for us. And God is just appalled here. You're choosing this nasty, filthy, mucky sin over what I can provide for you. God says it don't make no sense. And I'm inclined inclined to uh, agree with God. It doesn't make no sense. Why would we exchange all that God has for us for these dirty, broken-down cisterns? It was an appalling thing to God. And they had gotten to this point. What caused them to get to this point? They desired the mucky cisterns over what God provided. It was all because, folks, listen, the prophets had stopped prophesying and teaching the true word of God in exchange for tickling the ears of the people in exchange for preaching what the people wanted to hear in order to keep their buildings full. How sad that a man of God who stands behind the pulpit would be more concerned about having his building full than he were, than, than he was the true word of God being proclaimed to the people. And God says it's appalling to me. I don't understand that I don't understand that you're choosing the sin of the world over the things that I have to offer you you're choosing these broken down cisterns and the people love to have it that way and again why do the people love to have it that way because they can continue living in the sin they're living in without feeling guilty about it without feeling guilt how sad now Here's what what people don't understand. A visit from God. When God visits a nation, when God visits a people, when God visits a person as far as that goes, when God visits, God can either bring a blessing or God can bring judgment. Don't forget that. Jeremiah, back to Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 29. Look at this. Jeremiah 5, 29. He says, shall I not visit these things? God says, you forsook me for these dirty cisterns all because my prophets stopped preaching the truth. And God says here, you know, shall I not visit this? Do you think I am not going to come visit? As appalling as this is to me, you think I'm just going to ignore it? As appalling and shocking as this is that you would forsake me for the sins of this world, you think I'm just going to turn my back and not, not address it? God says here, he says, listen to me. He says, you know, shall I not visit these things, saith the Lord, and shall not my soul be avenged upon such a nation as this? Does that sound like God was going to bring blessing when he visited? Or judgment? definitely judgment united states of america we better turn back to the living god or we're going to have a visit from god people within the pews you better stop loving your sin more than you love your god and those standing behind the pulpit you better get back to proclaiming the true word of god and forget about the size of your congregation What matters is that the Word of God is being proclaimed. I would rather have a small congregation than I had a visit from God with judgment. Let's get back to the true Word of God in the case where the spiritual leaders have traded the true word of God for a false watered-down version in order to appease the itching ears of the people, I will assure you that that visit from God is not going to be a blessing. It will always, it will always, it will always be a visit of judgment to that people. And the only way to move from this judgment to blessing is for the spiritual leaders along with their people to repent and return to the living God. If those behind the pulpit of America do not return to preaching the true word of God, folks, we've got a visit from the Lord coming. And it's not going to be one of blessing the United States of America. I'm just going to throw this out there. We won't pass the offering plate for you to put money in on this one. But I believe we've got judgment coming to this nation like we've never saw before. And I believe we see the groundwork being laid right now. Right now. If we do not return to the living God. If the people behind the pews don't stop loving false teaching. Over the true word of God. It's coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment's coming. Look, repentance. What does it mean by the repentance? Repentance is turning from the slow suicide. Of murky water. To the consumption. Of the clear flowing living waters. That can only come from the throne. Of God. That can only come. From the throne of God. As with everything concerning our relationship with God, folks, it is our choice as to which container we will drink out of. The container from the murky cistern or the container of the living waters that God provides. That murky water of a broke-down cistern or that clear-flowing water that comes from the throne of God, that choice is mine. That choice is yours. You choose which you will drink of. You know, time after time, God called his people to repent. And in many cases, they failed to heed the warning until judgment came. Then they heeded the warning. How sad that we have to wait for the judgment of God to come before he gets our attention. Because the judgment that is coming, folks. It may be too late for God to get our attention. How sad it takes judgment before the people of God return to him. Jeremiah asked the question here, What will you do when the end comes, you who have prophesied falsely? What will you do when the end comes, you who have condoned that falsehood? And what will you do when the end comes comes to those of you who have loved that falsehood? What will you do when the end comes? That is a question, folks, we all need to address. I, as a pastor, as the prophet and the priest, I guess you might say here, I have to address that question. Am I going to remain true to proclaiming the true word of God? Or am I going to give in the tickling, tickling ears so as to not hurt feelings? So as to not hurt feelings. That's a choice I have to make every Sunday I get behind this. And I'll just be honest with you. When you pastor a small church, you pretty much know everybody's (laughs) faults, I guess you might say, or everybody's weaknesses, I might say. And and, and that's a problem because everybody knows that you know their weaknesses, okay? And and I'll admit, sometimes, you know, God gives me a a sermon or he gives me something to put in that sermon. I say, do Gone. So-and-so is going to think I'm breaking this right to them. Come on now. How many of you have ever thought that? Has he been reading my mail? Yeah, uh uh-huh. A bunch of you. And, And again, that's tough. But it's the choice that has to be made. It's the choice that has to be made. And here's what I learned a good while ago. I say a good while ago. I'm talking about years ago. I don't have to answer to you. I have to answer to God. Understand? I have to answer to God. Am I going to be a true prophet of God or am I going to be a prophet that just wants to tickle the ears in order to keep my job, so to speak? For many people, for many people, When the end comes, their response is going to be threefold. You see, when you look at the Scripture, there's many instances where the people are faced uh, with the end and had to come face-to-face with the question, what will I do when the end comes? And in most all of them, we see three things that they have in common. First of all, they will be speechless. There's a lot of people, when the end comes, they are going to be speechless. You know, what what will you do when the end comes? What will you... Think you might say, will you begin with protest with that? God, you're not being fair with this. Will you say to God, you know, God, you must have failed to record some something that I'd done that was good. You know, you're not. You're going to be speechless when the end comes. You're going to be like Isaiah who realized there was nothing he could say. He realized that he had unclean lips. And he was not even worthy to speak to the living God. You'll simply just have to hide your face from him as God will remind you, as he said in Jeremiah 9, 24, I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness here on this earth. The second thing, they're going to be helpless. Helpless. You see, maybe maybe you'll want to make the claim that, God, I was just so weak and helpless when it comes to sin in my life. You know, God, I'm a weak person. God, I, I, I'm not really a strong person. So God, the reason I gave in to the murky systems is because I, I, I'm just so weak. I'm just so weak. Too weak to say no to temptation. Too weak to overcome the sin in my life. Too weak to trust in the power of your grace, Lord. I'm just a weak person. But deep inside, you'll know you're not, you wasn't too weak to trust in the saving grace of God. You just love the sin that you were involved in more than you love the personal relationship with your loving Savior. And folks, that's the bottom line with people who remain in sin. They love that sin more than they love their God. You make all kind of excuses. okay? Make all kind of excuses you want. And if God clears that excuse, then hey, I'm good with your excuse too. But I don't think God accepts those excuses i don't think he accepts those excuses one who is or I mean, you'll be reminded shall we say of his words in jeremiah 17 blessed is the man who trusts in the lord whose trust is in the lord and thirdly they'll be hopeless they'll be hopeless they'll they, they will be speechless helpless hopeless and plead for mercy when the end comes But it's going to be too late. God's response will be, how often did I offer you mercy? How often did I offer you grace? How often did I call you to be one of my people? How often did I call you out of that mercury, uh, mucky cistern that you allowed yourself to drink from? How long did I call you out? How many times? And it's going to be hopeless. We must understand, when the end comes, we'll not be able to repent. We'll not be able to receive mercy. And though the cries will be heard begging for mercy, there's not going to be any. Because, listen, folks, by then it's going to be too late. The only word spoken will be the one spoken by the word on the throne. As he repeats the words of Abraham, when uh, the rich man found himself in hell, we all know the story of Luke chapter 17, a beggar died, a rich man died, they, they both went to their, their eternal abodes. The, the poor man was in Abraham's bosom, the, the rich man was in hell looking up and seeing uh, Lazarus there in Abraham's bosom, and he began to cry out, you know, would you send him down here with just a little bit of water, or, you You know, and and, and when you get to uh, Luke chapter 16 there, uh, you know, here's the words that Abraham said. I think we're going to throw them up there, aren't we? Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Here's what God's going to say to some. Between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from here to there cannot. Neither can they that are in hell... Passed to heaven, it can't be. Then he said, the rich man, Well, I pray that thou would send him to my father's house. Abraham, I have five brothers. Would you send him there for him to testify unto them? Least they come to this place of torment. And Abraham said this to him. They have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them hear what they have to say. Let them hear hear them. And he said, no, 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 no. The rich man said, no, 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 no. You don't understand here, Father. But if one went to them from the dead, okay, they would repent. In other words, they don't want to hear what the prophet has to say. But if you send this guy back and he tells them, I come from the dead and I seen your brother down there in hell being in torment, they would repent, okay? But in verse 31, he said unto them, If they're not going to hear Moses, if they're not going to hear the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if one rose from the dead. Why is it so important that the prophets of God speak the true word of God? Why is that so important? Right here is why. Because it's going to either cause people to go to heaven or hell. What did he say? Let them hear Moses. Let them hear the prophets. And if the prophets aren't teaching the true word of God, what's going to happen? Hell's going to bust wide open with people. If the word of God, the true word of God, is not being proclaimed behind the pulpits, folks, there's a lot of people in hell, going to go to hell, who need not be there. But because the prophets of God The priest of God, the pastors of God, the evangelists of God failed to preach the true word of God. And the people loved it so. But what will you do when the end comes? You see, at this point, those who refuse the grace of God, the mercy of God, the calling of God to come unto them, those who, who, who chose to drink from the dirty cisterns rather than the fountain of living water, it will be hopeless at that point. No hope of salvation, no hope of mercy, no hope of eternity in heaven. With the fountain of living water, Jesus Christ himself, no hope whatsoever. So the question to consider is this, again, what will you do when the end comes what will you do when the end comes when you stand before jesus what will you do when you have to face the one who you chose to belittle all your life finding him boring and unworthy you know uh, of your greatest affection what will you do when the end comes can i tell you what you're going to be if you refuse refusing you're going to be speechless You're going to be helpless. You're going to be hopeless. As it's too late then for mercy. Let me just close with a couple of thoughts here. Again, the question, what will you do when the end comes? No words, no deeds of penance. No acts of virtue is going to reverse your decision to serve sin over God during your lifetime. Your choice to drink from dirty cisterns rather than the fountain of living water is the choice that you will have to live with. Eternal separation from God. The decision to serve a false God rather than the true God. You'll have to live with that choice. And how sad. Oh, look at this. How sad it is that so many of God's people, God's people now, okay? are missing out on the great things that God has for them, all because they love the sin in their life more than the God of their life. People of God, does this explain you? That there's some sin in your life you love a whole lot more than you love the God of your life. If that's the case, listen to me, listen to me. Expect a visit from God. But don't expect a visit of blessing. Don't expect that visit to bring a blessing to your life. The pastors pro- prophesied falsely, and rather than challenging them on it, you love to have it so. You love the tickling of the ears as it allowed you to not feel guilty over your sins. Listen, the risen Christ is the one who loves us, the one who has freed us from our sins by the blood he shed on Mount Calvary. And it is he, Jesus Christ, who makes salvation possible today. Today, Jesus is offering you. Listen to me in closing. Right now, today, Jesus is offering you a fountain of grace, a fountain of living water. Walk away from those dirty cisterns you're drinking from right now. Turn to the God of the living waters. All the more urgent are the words of Paul to the Hebrews in Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How will you escape the fires of hell if you neglect what God is offering you this morning? That is a question you're going to have to ask yourself. And again, that's for the lost. If you're lost here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus, the only way you're going to uh, escape the eternity in hell is by the salvation God has to offer. But if you are a child of God and there's some sin in your life that you love more than the God of your life, you're drinking from a dirty cistern. And you're going to have to expect a visit from God. Why? Because God chasteneth those he loveth, doesn't he? He'll take you out behind the woodshed. And I've been behind the woodshed. That's not a good place to be. I'm not talking about just with God, I'm talking about with my daddy. Some of you have been behind the woodshed, too. It ain't a good place. Let's pray.